Section One of A Wonder Book for Girls and Boys. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Wonder Book for Girls and Boys by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Introductory to The Gorgon's Head. Beneath the porch of the country seat called Tanglewood, one fine autumnal morning, was assembled a merry part of little folks, with a tall youth in the midst of them. They had planned a nutting expedition, and were impatiently waiting for the mist to roll up the hill slopes, and for the sun to pour the warmth of the Indian summer over the fields and pastures, and into the nooks of the many-coloured woods there was a prospect of as fine a day as ever gladdened the aspect of this beautiful and comfortable world as yet however the morning mist filled up the whole length and breadth of the valley above which on a gently sloping eminence the mansion stood this body of white vapour extended to within less than a hundred yards of the house it completely hid everything beyond that distance except a few ruddy or yellow tree-tops which here and there emerged and were glorified by the early sunshine as was likewise the broad surface of the mists four or five miles off to the southward rose the summit of monument mountain and seemed to be floating on a cloud some fifteen miles farther away in the same direction appeared the loftier dome of taconic looking blue and indistinct and hardly so substantial as the vapoury sea that almost rolled over it the nearer hills which bordered the valley were half submerged and were specked with little cloud wreaths all the way to their tops on the whole there was so much cloud and so little solid earth that it had the effect of a vision the children above mentioned being as full of life as they could hold kept overflowing from the porch of tanglewood and scampering along the gravel walk or rushing across the dewy herbage of the lawn i can hardly tell how many of these small people there were not less than nine or ten however no more than a dozen of all sorts sizes and ages whether girls or boys they were brothers sisters and cousins together with a few of their young acquaintances who had been invited by mr and mrs pringle to spend some of this delightful weather with their own children at tanglewood i'm afraid to tell you their names or even to give them any names which other children have ever been called by because to my certain knowledge authors sometimes get themselves into great trouble by accidentally giving the names of real persons to the characters in their books for this reason i mean to call them primrose periwinkle sweet fern dandelion blue eye clover huckleberry cowslip squash blossom milkweed plantain and buttercup although to be sure such titles might better suit a group of fairies than a company of earthly children it is not to be supposed that these little folks were to be permitted by their careful fathers and mothers uncles aunts or grandparents to stray abroad into the woods and fields without the guardianship of some particularly grave and elderly person 
oh no indeed in the first sentence of my book you will recollect that i spoke of a tall youth standing in the midst of the children his name and i shall let you know his real name because he considers it a great honor to have told the stories that are here to be printed his name was eustace bright he was a student at williams college and had reached i think at this period the venerable age of eighteen years so that he felt quite like a grandfather towards periwinkle dandelion huckleberry squash blossom milkweed and the rest who were only half or a third as venerable as he a trouble in his eyesight such as many students think it necessary to have nowadays in order to prove their diligence at their books had kept him from college a week or two after the beginning of the term but for my part i have seldom met with a pair of eyes that looked as if they could see farther or better than those of eustace bright this learned student was slender and rather pale as all yankee students are but yet of a healthy aspect and as light and active as if he had wings to his shoes by the by being much addicted to wading through streamlets and across meadows he had put on cowhide boots for the expedition he wore a linen blouse a cloth cap and a pair of green spectacles which he had assumed probably less for the preservation of his eyes than for the dignity that they imparted to his countenance in either case however he might as well have left them alone for huckleberry a mischievous little elf crept behind eustace as he sat on the steps of the porch snatched the spectacles from his nose and clapped them on her own and as the student forgot to take them back they fell off into the grass and lay there till the next spring now eustace bright you must know had won great fame among the children as a narrator of wonderful stories and though he sometimes pretended to be annoyed when they teased him for more and more and always for more yet i really doubt whether he liked anything quite so well as to tell them you might have seen his eyes twinkle therefore when clover sweet fern cowslip buttercup and most of their playmates besought him to relate one of his stories while they were waiting for the mist to clear up yes cousin eustace said primrose who was a bright girl of twelve with laughing eyes and a nose that turned up a little the morning is certainly the best time for the stories with which you so often tire out our patience we shall be in less danger of hurting your feelings by falling asleep at the most interesting points as little cowslip and i did last night naughty primrose cried cowslip a child of six years old i did not fall asleep and i only shut my eyes so as to see a picture of what cousin eustace was telling about his stories are good to hear at night because we can dream about them asleep and good in the morning too because then we can dream about them awake so i hope he will tell us one this very minute thank you my little cowslip said eustace certainly you shall have the best story i can think of if it were only for defending me so well from that naughty primrose but children i have already told you so many fairy tales that i doubt whether there is a single one which you have not heard at least twice over i am afraid you will fall asleep in reality if i repeat any of them again 
no 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 cried blue eye periwinkle plantain and half a dozen others we like a story all the better for having heard it two or three times before and it is a truth as regards children that a story seems often to deepen its mark in their interest not merely by two or three but by numberless repetitions but eustace bright in the exuberance of his resources scorned to avail himself of an advantage which an older story-teller would have been glad to grasp at it would be a great pity said he if a man of my learning to say nothing of original fancy could not find a new story every day year in and year out for children such as you i will tell you one of the nursery tales that were made for the amusement of our great old grandmother the earth when she was a child in frock and pinafore there are a hundred such and it is a wonder to me that they have not long ago been put into picture books for little girls and boys but instead of that old grey-bearded grandsires pour over them in musty volumes of greek and puzzle themselves with trying to find out when and how and for what they were made well 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 cousin eustace cried all the children at once talk no more about your stories but begin sit down then every soul of you said eustace bright and be all as still as so many mice at the slightest interruption whether from great naughty primrose little dandelion or any other i shall bite the story short off between my teeth and swallow the untold part but in the first place do any of you know what a gorgon is i do said primrose then hold your tongue rejoined eustace would rather she would have known nothing about the matter hold all your tongues and i shall tell you a sweet pretty story of a gorgon's head and so he did as you may begin to read on the next page working up his sophomorical erudition with a good deal of tact and incurring great obligations to professor anthon he nevertheless disregarded all classical authorities whenever the vagrant audacity of his imagination impelled him to do so end of section one